It takes more than a detailed understanding of the rope data structure to be a great software developer. This is episode 95 of the Soft Skills Engineering Podcast. I am your host, Jameson Dance. I'm your host, Dave Smith. Um, I guess it's traditional. We have to muddle through an explanation of ropes. <laughs> Something to do with strings. I don't know. I don't have lots, a detailed understanding of yet. Soft Skills Engineering is a weekly advice show where we answer all of your non-technical questions about the technical field of software development. That is correct. Uh, we also have some Patreon people to thank. Do you want to do that, Dave? Yes, uh, it's a new month. It's February. We'd like to thank the following people. Michael Collier, Dustin Coates, Eric Parkinson, Sean Clayton all contributed at the level where you get called out on the show. Thanks, patrons. James, thank you so much. If someone wants to support the show with real money, what should they do? They should go to patreon.com slash softskillseng. Uh, you can contribute there, and money that you contribute goes towards equipment upgrades, goes towards design, towards editing, towards the ever-elusive ball pit fund, <laughs> the stretch goal. <laughs> um, we really appreciate yeah. your support. It, it helps us continue making this show. So thank you. Thank you. All right. Can I read our first question? Please do it. This comes from Aaron, who says... When should asking a software developer pal for help with your code go from something that is free because you're pals to something you should compensate them for in some way? Hugs, food, rent, etc. We'll code for rent. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to try and pay my mortgage in hugs this month. <laughs> <laughs> How do you fit them in an envelope, though? That's my question. Uh, you got to do it in person, I think. It's hard, though, because <laughs> at some point they just become bits somewhere and how do you transmit them you need someone at the other end who just reads them off it's kind of like a fax machine right you send it electronically but it turns real <laughs> at the end that was like in willy wonka he could probably do that yeah willy wonka on the chocolate factory that sounds accurate so how when okay when you ask someone for help with your code what is the etiquette what is the rule when should it be free and when should you pay in the form of hugs food or rent I don't think I've ever paid a friend to just kind of help with a quick question. I've definitely mm. posted on Stack Overflow or posted in Slack or IRC or on mailing lists. And did you pay any of those people? <laughs> I paid them in eyeballs, which is the unit of value in, in the modern web. That's true. I helped someone make <laughs> advertising revenue. <laughs> a third party, point. actually. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I, I personally have never directly hired someone to say, help me with, with this code problem that I'm stuck on. Yeah, me neither. Yeah. I've worked at companies that have hired consultants, but it hasn't even been like, we're stuck on this thing. It's been more like either some higher level training or lower level do this project for us. Mm -hmm. So... I don't know. I, I have helped friends a lot and I know a lot of people that help friends and none of those people have ever been paid to my knowledge. We seem to, in our industry, we seem to have like an anti-payment culture, you know, like we expect developers to do a lot of things for free, help each other out with their code, give talks at conferences. Yeah. Run meetups. <laughs> yeah. So I have a friend who has trained people from zero knowledge of software development to now being full-time employees working in software mm -hmm. and i don't think they did it for pay wow and it was a lot of work and it was something they were very passionate about 
but it wasn't Clearly. a paid arrangement. <laughs> I think towards the end, maybe they, they did some consulting work as subcontractors for this person. So they, they maybe <clears throat> indirectly benefited financially from it, but it certainly wasn't like that's the payoff, right? It was like, yeah. I'll help you get into code because I think you'd be good at it and it will make your life better. And I enjoy teaching people. And, and then as part of that, like come work on this project and, not, and you'll get paid and we'll help this client and I'll make some chunk of money from it. Hmm. Um, that's, I think that's probably the most individual effort I've seen by someone for free to help people to code. I am much lazier than this friend. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have, I have a couple people that kind of ask me questions and, and I'm happy to help out. And if it ever became like hours a day, every day, I would say, I can't do it this much. I'm sorry. I just don't have time to do it. No, you wouldn't. I know exactly what you would do. <laughs> would I just disappear <laughs> silently? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it hasn't gotten to the point where I've had to say anything yet. Mm -hmm. um, maybe I just subliminally transmit vibes. <laughs> People just back off. <laughs> No, but I'm getting I'm getting the sense that Jameson doesn't want to put in this time anymore. Oh yeah, what gives you that sense? Well, he keeps saying <laughs> RTFM over and over. <laughs> At first, he was helpful, but <laughs> no, I haven't done that. Um, but I I can tell you what I would do if I were that person asking mm -hmm. a friend for a lot of help. I would try and set very explicit expectations of like hey i'm using your time for free and if this ever becomes burdensome please tell me and i'm happy to to back off i i don't know that i would say i'm happy to pay you because then it gets weird it's like oh yeah paying your family for making thanksgiving dinner there's a totally different approach to how you <laughs> to, to 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 situations where you're paying for it versus where it's a favor that you're doing for other people like if you went to your parents' house for Thanksgiving and you brought a $10 bill and you're like, thanks for the dinner. <laughs> thanks for the turkey, dad. Um, you know, I, be very at first out. I thought this was just a $10 turkey, but after I ate it, I thought it was a $12 oh, turkey. I'm tipping you extremely well this year. <laughs> These sweet potatoes are excellent. That would be very <laughs> insulting because it's it's saying like you're you're a restaurant kind of like this is a transactional relationship and i don't think that's mm -hmm. why people help out most of the time so i think and also developers are expensive right to pay someone their rate is going to be a lot of money and people that are are getting a lot of help are often new to the industry and they might not have the cash to pay someone hundreds of dollars an hour as a consultant mm -hmm. to help like teach them javascript or whatever so I would feel weird about the paying part. Especially because if someone paid me for help, the help would have to actually be good. <laughs> yeah, it's a job, right? It's not a favor. Yeah, with a favor, it's like I can utterly fail and still succeed. Yeah, you're making a joke, but I think you're right. It's, it's, it's a totally different relationship. And they have, they're an employer in some ways, so they have an expectation of like performance on your part. And it mm -hmm. totally changes it. It's, and it... It becomes a thing that is hard to... This is why don't go into business with your family. <laughs> um, <laughs> because it's it changes your relationship. Now, everything changes if you're paying in hugs, though. Because you can't refund hugs. Yeah. They're only additive. <laughs> they can be pretty negative. <laughs> I don't no, know. I mean, what I was going to say... Like, let's say uh, you pay me in 10 hugs. Okay, uh -huh. great. Now I want my hugs back. Well, 
I just have to give you 10 hugs. <laughs> <laughs> we, that's how value is created in the economy. <laughs> <laughs> now the whole world is 20 hugs ahead of where it was. Yeah. I, I think if you really want to pay someone, I think you could do it in, a, in an unexpected way. So don't say, I will pay you to help me. They help you and you just like give them something. You slip them a Chili's restaurant gift card. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because then it's not an explicit transaction. You're just saying like, this is really helpful to me. I want to uh, thank you for doing this as a friend. I just want to help you out. And and you can like do fun stuff. I don't know. I've heard of people shipping cookies or like doing mm-hmm. random little things like that. If if you really want to to show more appreciation than just saying thank you. I felt like your help was worth eight chocolate chip cookies. Yeah. <laughs> Does that sound about right? Maybe nine? <laughs> yeah, I, I think the point um, of using these these like gift exchanges is that you don't... It, it, it lets you avoid the problem of quantifying it exactly, you know? Yeah. And yeah, but, but you're doing more than just saying thank you if you really feel right. like you, you owe it to them to help in some way. Yeah. But I think I think setting expectations around how much time this takes if you're the person asking for help you should be really sensitive to taking advantage of someone that doesn't like to say no and, like and becoming a burden on them <laughs> no i am strong <laughs> no one takes advantage of me dave uh. yeah so I, I think as long as you up front say hey i don't want this to take up more of your time than you like i'm happy to i don't know set a time limit a month or maybe we yeah, actually, I talked to somebody about mentoring once. Uh, they had just done a lot of it. And I was like, how do you do it? And they said, I say we do it uh, an hour a month at the beginning. And if either of us wants to increase, then we talk about it and we can or we just might leave it. So they set like really explicit boundaries for for how much time they put into helping people just to make sure they can do all their other stuff and, and help lots of different people. I like that. And I would say, don't be afraid to ask for help because I think a lot of people really like to help with this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And um, there's usually no expectation of payment, like Jameson said. Um, and uh, I have nothing else to say. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> don't you hate it when you say and before you know what's going to come after the and? I hate it. <clears throat> and <laughs> now I'm going to say a different thing. <laughs> uh, the local Slack channel tech community slack channel that i hang out in has a specific help channel so lots of people ask in general and people are happy to help and there's also a channel dedicated to it and yeah there there are always people ready and willing that's what stack overflow is built on right like people want to help other people yep and then also if you attach internet points to it becomes a (laughs) a competition but even without that people still want to help other people so if you suspect that you have a problem that's going to need more than you would feel comfortable, more help than you would feel comfortable asking someone unpaid to help you with. What are your options? I mean, you, I I guess you could hire a consultant specifically for that problem. Or convince Um, your employer to hire a consultant. Yeah. Uh, or you could break it down into a lot of smaller problems and attack those via the standard help channels. Uh, I'm not sure what you mean by a problem that is too big to ask for help with. Are you saying like 
my problem is this product doesn't exist and I would like it to. <laughs> Someone please help me by building it. <laughs> by building it and then signing this legal document that says I own it. <laughs> yeah. My problem is I just just don't have quite enough money. <laughs> please help. <laughs> I mean some I guess some problems they're they're so there are so many details. They're so involved. It's like such an arcane combination of your company's software stack and the code history and the random bugs in the random weird versions you're on. For that stuff, if it's a common enough problem, there there are sometimes specific companies or people can, who consult around those problems. I know there are multiple companies who make a living upgrading versions of Rails or backporting yeah. security patches to old versions of Rails. And they don't take payment in the form of hugs? You're pretty sure? I mean, yeah, maybe maybe if you give them hug equity so that the <laughs> hugs will be worth even more someday. <laughs> Hugquity. <laughs> Perhaps. I don't know. I don't have a great answer to your question. Just pay someone. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so how... Like, can you measure the quality of your own friendship based on the kinds of programming problems people bring to you? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Like, I'm getting a lot of C++ segmentation fault problems, but hardly anyone comes to me with CSS layout issues. What does that say about my relationship with these people? I think that means that you are an exceedingly patient human. <laughs> 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 or you write a lot of C++. I don't know. Maybe your friends are all C++ developers. Maybe it says more about oh, them than you. Sample bias. Yeah. All right. So I, to me, as as a helpful friend, the questions that are hardest for me to answer are when the question is, when when the answer is like, it, go study this thing for a year. <laughs> like uh, when when the, the knowledge gap between the answer and, and where they are is really large. So it's hard for me to even explain an answer. Someone is like, how do I make my, how, how do I make a user talk to the server? And what they, <laughs> yeah. what they really mean is like, I want to do some Ajax stuff, but I don't know what Ajax is. And I don't really understand the difference between a browser and, and a server. And there's, there's just a lot of gaps in there. Those are mm -hmm. hard personally to answer because it's the underlying question is like, can you tutor me in the ways of software? Exactly, yeah. And specific questions are much easier to answer. Yeah, like I'm having this crash and I want to figure it out. Like that's... Yeah, stuff that doesn't require me to design a curriculum. Because <laughs> <laughs> well I said, well have said. not done that maybe, before. Maybe that's the that's when the the uh, tipping point happens. Is So to answer, yeah. this, to answer Aaron's question, you need to start paying someone when they should design a curriculum to answer your question. Yeah. I Maybe. love that heuristic. Okay. I'm, I'm going to go with it. And everything else is free. Cool. <laughs> I think we've answered the question, right? Good. Oh, I think so. I think we should get paid for answering that question. Yeah. In hugs. <laughs> I'll give you a hug next time I see you. Oh. That'll be my first, I think. I'll have to make a note of that in my journal. First ever? What? Uh, <laughs> first hug from you. No, that's not true. I... Dave, Thanks. I distinctly remember giving you a hug at Utah JS Conference last year. 
Well, apparently it was meaningless to me. <laughs> with a, with a stalker-like amount of detail. It's etched <laughs> in my mind. <laughs> um, yeah, hugs, you should ask for a different unit of reward then because, or a different unit of payment because it seems like you don't value okay. that one very much, Dave. Instead of one hug, I'll take five Bitcoins. Okay. <laughs> uh, I need to go hug a lot of people to earn that many Bitcoins. <laughs> All right. I think we've answered the question. Okay. Sounds good. Can you read our next one? I can. This is from a listener who has called himself Mr. Scared of Recruiters. I have never worked with recruiters before. I have always found jobs from friends and other connections. Is working with recruiters worth it? What should I watch out for? Huh. So, did you ever see that old Looney Tunes? <laughs> I, knew, I knew you were going to bring this up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just always talking about Looney Tunes. Okay, I'm just going to sit a, back and enjoy. Okay, go it's ahead. It's a Jack and the Beanstalk cartoon. There, it, it's like a, a, a crossover Jack and the Beanstalk depression cartoon where they're all starving. They have a couple little beans. They're slicing them up paper thin. And then I think... Daffy, some duck looks at another character <laughs> and their head just turns into a giant turkey dinner. <laughs> if you went to a recruiter and were like, hey, I would like to get a new job, they're going to look at your head and it's going to turn into <laughs> a stack of twenty to $50,000. <laughs> and they will say, okay, let me help Cha-ching. you. Yeah. Their, eye, their eyes turn into dollar signs. Yeah, that's the dream. Usually their job is a lot of like spamming people and getting yelled at for spamming people because they're looking for people to help find a job. So if if someone went up to them and said, hey, I want you to help me find a job, what they hear is you're going to make a lot of money and, and they, will, they will jump at the opportunity. I am the walking turkey equivalent yep. of Porky the Pig. Wait, was it Porky the Pig whose head turned into a turkey? I don't remember. I was trying to find the specific episode and I couldn't find it before the show. I was thinking in his case, it might be better if it turned into a ham. I Actually, I think you're right. I think it turned into like the animal that they were cooked. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I think it was like a roast duck. I have this vague recollection a... of, this, of this episode. Yeah, it was Apparently horrifying it really to me as a child. It, it totally did. They're starving and they're going to resort to cannibalism. Although, I, is it cannibalism if you're eat? I mean... No. I mean, this is a duck eating a, eating a pig. <laughs> yeah, that's not... Anyways, they're going to murder and cook and eat their friends. That's right. But only because they're delicious. Yeah. <laughs> so that part hopefully doesn't have uh, a correlation with recruiting. Yeah. I have literally hardly ever heard of a recruiter murdering and eating a candidate. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you'd have to very, be pretty very poorly rare. on the interview process, I think. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm not going to make my 20K off you, but at least I can make turkey dinner out of you. <laughs> <Ugh>. <laughs> so they would be they would be pretty interested in that arrangement. Have you done this ever? One time. Uh, one time I stumbled into a relationship with a recruiter because I applied for a job. Mm-hmm. And uh, it happened to be a job that was managed by an external agency for the company. And we'll talk about this later, the difference between the types of recruiters. And uh, I didn't get that job, but the recruiter, because he was an agent 
working outside of that company, he had connections with lots of other companies and he was a good recruiter. And he connected me with one of the other companies he was working with. And he said to me, he said, based on what I know about you and based on what I know about this company, I think you would be a great match. And it was a great match. That's how I got my previous job where I was for five years, which I absolutely loved. It was just one of my favorite jobs of all time. Awesome. And he did a great job matching me up. That's so cool. A success story. I think he probably made 20 grand off of that. (laughs) But, you know, in his defense, he probably spent about four or five hours. So, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I've never, I've never worked with a recruiter like that. I've been on the other end where I've worked with a recruiter at a company trying to hire people, but that's Mm -hmm. a pretty different experience. Yeah. And more common, frankly, uh, especially at big companies. Yeah, I. No, well, you know what? I, have... I just said more common. That was totally wrong. Yeah, I think it's more common at big companies and less common for small companies. Yeah, I have worked with individual recruiters for specific positions, but it's never pivoted to like they've yeah. never turned into my job realtor, where they're shopping me around <laughs> to different jobs <laughs> job. and then. I love that job realtor. Oh, it sounds kind of you know, nice. Yeah, I don't know why a recruiter that picks you up in an SUV, drives you around to different companies, lets you meet them. Gives you, you know? infinite bottled water. As much That's bottled <laughs> water as you want. Our realtor just... gave us so much bottled water. <laughs> <laughs> you guys thirsty? No, I have to pee though. <laughs> Please, no. Well, you got all these bottles. <laughs> it works both ways. Uh, I don't have any bathrooms, but uh, are you thirsty? (laughs) (laughs) This house has zero bathrooms. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I hate to go on a tangent, but I I have been in a situation where I was looking at a house that had been like vacant for a while and the water wasn't running, but I really had to go to the bathroom. Have you ever been in that kind of a situation? (laughs) No. Okay, well, I'll just leave it at that. You should probably use the bathroom before you go visit a house that's been vacant. Okay. Uh, did you find out before or after it was too late that the water wasn't running? (laughs) Oh, well, if it was before, I don't think this would be as interesting of a story. (laughs) Okay. You just left the bathroom told the recruiter, I'm sorry, it's haunted. We have to go. (laughs) And we can never come back. And he's like, okay, are you thirsty? (laughs) Actually, I am now. (laughs) okay anyway sorry yes wouldn't it be great if recruiters drove you around from company to company and just uh, that would be so awesome that would be cool but they don't really do that and and frankly um it's pretty uncommon but i have heard of a couple of people who will actually approach a recruiter and just say hey i'm looking for a job find a place for me and they'll reach out to their contacts of their companies that are currently hiring that they know of and they'll pitch you and uh I guess it works. It's worked for me once, but I, I don't hear about that very often. Most of the time, people just reach out to companies directly or like uh, Mr. Scared of Recruiter says through their friends. We've talked about this on the show before, and I have. I remember saying, it'd be kind of nice. And then in my last job search, I didn't do this. And I think huh. it's because I just trusted my own network a little more than the recruiter. Well, you say you trusted your own network, but like, does that mean that the recruiter... I mean, the recruiter could still have opportunities that um, you don't have connections to. But I guess you're just saying that maybe you think that it would be a waste of time, potentially. I think potentially. So, okay. Leaning on the realtor analogy, a good realtor takes you to a bunch of different houses and uses it to narrow down the kind of house that you like and then takes you to only the kind of house that you might like. Mm -hmm. 
I don't know if you can go through job opportunities fast enough for that to happen. That's true. Because you have to interview and it takes forever. And then, yeah. And and are are you going to do like 30 interviews? Maybe not. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That costs you so much time. If you're employed, you probably aren't anymore. (laughs) If you're not employed, (laughs) that's all lost income from just getting a job Mm -hmm. faster. Mm -hmm. So I, I guess I didn't trust them to, I didn't trust that we would understand each other enough for them to just only have the kind of thing I would be interested in. I think if I were moving to a different part of the country or like maybe entering a different industry, I don't know, maybe that would be helpful. It seems nice, but also it seems like a lot of work. Yep. (laughs) Definitely. Is working with recruiters worth it? Maybe. Yeah, they could probably get you opportunities you wouldn't get another way. I don't know if they would be better or not. Yeah. If you've yeah. exhausted your network, then it's definitely a place to turn. Yeah, like uh I think it I think that's the key is it depends on what your network is yielding you. So, let's say you've just moved to a new city mm-hmm. and uh you're trying to find work. You may not have a good network of people that you know. And yeah. So, but the recruiter almost definitely does. But that's that's the other hard challenge is now it's kind of a wild card. Like you pick up with the recruiter and who knows what they know. You yep. don't know. We had to switch realtors because we had a bad experience. But that was, I mean, it wasn't horrible. But we just spent a couple hours with them. We're like it just doesn't seem like we get each other. But mm-hmm. that was a lot more iterations than a typical. I mean, we we went to like five or six houses and that would be. In a couple of hours. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I will say this. If you latch on to a recruiter and then that recruiter shows up with you at some random company cold, there's a good chance the company will say, no, thank you. We do, we do not want to pay your fee to find yeah. this candidate. And uh, I have seen that actually at my old job. Uh, we had candidates coming in to that were applying for development positions at our company. And literally some of them had recruiters that were coming with them. And we would generally discount those uh, candidates quite a bit because we knew that we were going to have to pay such a premium yeah. to get them to come in. And we already had our own internal recruiters. So it's like, hmm. um, so, which means we had a good enough pipeline of candidates coming without this extra 20, 30, 40% baggage. Yeah. So it can hurt you. It can. Yeah. I didn't think about that. I guess if they're independent recruiters, do they have mm-hmm. connections with a bunch of different companies set yes. up already? So, yeah, a lot. Of that, that's how it worked out with me with my last job, which was that I stumbled into this recruiter who had like four or five open contracts looking for uh, candidates for certain companies. Hmm. Um, and so he just looked through his group of companies that happened to be active at the time I came in and he matched me to one of them and it worked out. Hmm. But uh, that's that's a very different situation from picking up a recruiter who acts like a realtor and just cold calls companies on your behalf and tries to place you. Well, the houses are already for sale. Exactly. <laughs> Hopefully well, they're I, not cold calling. It, it, <laughs> they true. just like I mean, knock, <laughs> knock a neighborhood with you and like, Hey, <laughs> can we tour your house? We might want to buy it. <laughs> yeah. I, while you were talking, instead of listening with my whole brain, I had a thought, <laughs> which was that, I think part of why I haven't reached out to recruiters in the job search is that when recruiters reach out to me, Mm. the opportunities are generally so vastly different from what I'm interested in. And the, the difference is easily discernible from 30 seconds of looking. If if they found my email on GitHub, they can take 30 seconds and look and see like, huh, you know, he hasn't done any.net. So maybe he's not interested. Maybe that's not going to motivate him to quit jobs. 
Yeah. So I, th- I think that's the other reason why I haven't done it is like, that's, that's part of why I don't trust them because the cold calling experiences I've had have all been the, it, it's just not at all related to my experience or my interests. Yep. Yeah. I'm in the same boat. I, uh, that reputation kind of precedes them, right? Yeah. To be fair, I don't think all recruiters are like that. Wait, no, wait. Yes, they are. <laughs> I'm, pr- I'm pretty sure they are. I think they, I, I think know. they actually have to be like that because let's say you're working for an agency. Yeah, that's how they get, that's how they get candidates. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely how they fill a numbers their game. Yeah. And, and the recruiters I've talked to, they said, look, it absolutely is a numbers game. You have to reach out to a sufficiently large number of people in order to get the one who will be a match for your role. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and the, the pipeline is so, or the funnel is so wide at the top. It could be hundreds of people. Yeah. And then, you know, maybe five or 10 that get to that round of interviews to maybe get one that actually gets the job. So, yeah. If you have to email 50,000 people, then taking 30 seconds to read all their GitHub profiles is yep. not, is not <laughs> worthwhile for you. So I understand why they do it, but at the same time, like, then would they, would they be able to help me? Yeah, like do they pl- do they apply that same reasoning to companies? Do they just yeah, you know, exactly. resume to fifty thousand companies? Yeah, I don't know. Well, you should try and tell me how it went so I can get more information <laughs> about this because I've never yeah. done it. Yep, I don't know that. I mean, their their joking title is Mister Scared of Recruiters. I don't know that you have to be scared. They're not going to like harm you. <laughs> no, the worst thing could happen is they they might say, "Try this exciting job opportunity," and they'll try and make it sound really good because they'll make a lot of money if you take it. But if they say it's in these languages. Yeah, because they're, they're not going to just straight up... I, I hope that they're not just going to lie to you about the job because you'll go through the interview process and quickly discover it was a huge waste of time and not work with them anymore. Yep. Yeah, I haven't had that issue. Yeah. I mean, recruiters are just like realtors. They're interested in one thing, which is placing you mm-hmm. at a job where you'll stay. And a lot of times they won't get paid unless you stay there for 90 days. You know, so if, if it's yeah. just a disastrous matchup, then... I thought it was like a year. I don't know. Uh, I'm trying to think about... I don't think so. I don't think it's that long. It could be like they'll pay you after some number of days, but then you'll get refunded if they quit before a year or something like Mm -hmm. that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I could see that being an arrangement. Who can wait a year to get a commission on a sale? I mean, that's crazy. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, well, we've answered the question clearly, right? (laughs) Nailed it as usual. (laughs) Okay. Uh, What should people do if they want their own questions answered? Go to softskills.audio and click ask a question. Fill out our simple form and please keep it brief. Uh, keep in mind that when you leave long ones, we uh, sometimes our attention drifts. <laughs> Listen, we are we are products of the internet. Our attention spans <laughs> are shattered craters. <laughs> <laughs> what can people do if they want to support the show? Go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash softskillseng and uh, check it out. Also, I want to plug questions again. The, the question rate has slowed. I don't know if that's because we've answered them all <laughs> or, um, well, I can't think of any other reason why their question rate would have slowed. <laughs> I think we've answered them all. If we haven't answered them all, please send your questions in. They're, they're kind of the, the fuel that keeps the show going. So we really yes. appreciate that. And it helps make the show better. Absolutely. And thank you for those that have written in. Yep. All right. I think we're done. We'll catch you all next right. week. Bye-bye.